Hello and welcome to the 178th edition of the Guna Podcast. This is your host, Kevin Witcher, and we're recording this on the Tuesday evening after Arsenal's win at West Ham. Two evenings before they face Standard Liège in Belgium for their final Europa League group game this evening, this season. I've not had much time to do a script for tonight's podcast, so the very briefest of panel introductions. First up, a returning regular. Drinking aloe vera juice, it's a warm welcome back to the editor of the Hampstead Village Voice, Mr Emmanuel Mustafa Goldstein. Aloe vera. Next up, a regular contributor to the print version of The Gooner. And back after an appearance in October with more considered words of wisdom, drinking Diet Pepsi, it's a very good evening to Mr Bernard Dowling. Hello everyone. And last but not least, a new face on the panel and here to discuss the recently formed we Care Do You movement, of which he is one of those that decide on the public pronouncements. Drinking Stella Artois, it's good to say hello to Mr Neil O'Brien. Good evening all. A real man's drink. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm indulging as well. We used to call so. it wife beater in the 70s. Did you really? Stella Artois, yeah. Oh. There were two pints of that and people started snarling. Right, that's a great PC uh, start <laughs> to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. However, on to... Historical book. fact, Kev. Historical oh, fact. Okay. Make up the wives to drink it. So uh, let's talk a little bit about a win. Gentlemen, oh. do you remember what they feel like? <laughs> Hallelujah! Hallelujah! <laughs> what can we conclude from a 3-1 victory at the London Stadium yesterday evening? Is this the corner turned? Lucky Arsenal. Well, maybe not lucky, but um, well, anyone who watched that game, which we all did, 55 minutes of utter hell, tearing our limbs out. I mean, I, I was on the Twitter kind of give it, you know, Mr. Negative, it's all over. We're in free fall. Ian Wright was going, you know, it was just what every single thing we did, we just looked so inept um, and against a very inept West Ham. And then they went one up and it just really did feel like relegation was imminent. And I'd given up. I'd just given up completely. Um, and then there was that sort of 10 to 15 minute purple patch and... I went from, normally I'd be excited. I wasn't excited by the first goal. I was like, oh, good goal. But it, they, they, it was like they'd lost my trust, you know. And then the second one came. And the third, I really cheered. Because I thought, oh, God, we might actually win this game. And then 10 minutes to go, I thought, we could throw this away. <laughs> this is Arsenal, the current Arsenal. Um, uh, yes, it's not, look, it's not Freddie's fault, obviously. He's just been, he's landed this. And he's got to deal with it. And as I read in the standard on the way here, you know, he's got very little time with the players now. He's not really got the chance to mould them into anything or do anything he wants to do with because it's on a day-by-day basis that he's, he's literally now it's just he's got... And there's so many games coming up. So, uh, but what was the question again, Kev? Has the corner been turned? Um, or are we expecting more of the same in terms of the performances we've seen in the last few weeks. Well, standard Liège is important because after the Frankfurt game, well, it is for morale well, and for, for morale. Okay. For morale and for can we maintain a winning run? Or can we win again? Right? Yes. Because a loser or a draw there would, you know, um, I think we qualify, don't we? But um, well, we need to lose five nil or six one. Right. Okay. So, but even we're not that bad, I don't think. Um, but. Uh, I do. Really? I, well, <laughs> but then we've got Man City after that, and then we've got Duncan Ferguson's Everton, mm. you know, and Duncan Ferguson's Sunday Everton look like, woo, we can take anyone on, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm not very optimistic for this season. I mean, I, I'd be surprised if we now, if we, I mean, I, earlier you asked me where, where we'd end up, and I was all, yes, we'll be top four, but right now it doesn't feel like top eight to me. Eight. The until. Martinelli scored. Uh, that was as the perf- Arsenal performance was as dismal as you can get. It was even worse uh, than Freddie's first two games against uh, Norwich and uh, Brighton. Uh, as you said, uh, there was a 10, mi- 10 15 minute purple patch, scored three goals. 
which ended up winning the game. Uh, but I'm not at all hopeful about, you know, recovering uh, our form. We were lucky in as much that if we had dropped points last night and at Everton, uh, I think there would have been a relegation struggle. I genuinely do, because our recent form is... It is relegation form. Well, what, how many points do you need to not get relegated? <laughs> well, I think we're fortunate because Norwich are definitely going to go down, in my view, uh, even though uh, they got points off us, uh, or a point off us. Um, who else is going to go down? Watford will go. Watford are going to go. And out, earlier in the season, they outplayed us. Yep. at Vicarage Road um, so you know Southampton outplayed us as well um, I think they're also looking uh, at the trap door um, you know that's the alarming thing relegation candidates have been outplaying us this season mm. you know it's not just we're unluckily dropping points against them because oh you know we've missed this was an Loads easy of run of games. Yep. Yes, it Absolutely. was. Now we've got, um, you know, Man City and Chelsea coming up, uh, plus, you know, rejuvenated Everton. Um, Bournemouth away and Man United at home. So they got they about five points. Yeah. I, I, I can see us getting two points from the five matches. Yeah, I can. That would leave Arsenal with 24 points from 22 games. Yeah. Um, which is why I asked about how many points you think would yeah. be enough. Yeah. I mean, I, let's be honest. You I, normally look at 40, don't you? Uh, uh, it can uh, be less, but... Um, yes, it can be. You'd want, you wouldn't want a chance less. Um, no a corner. Short answer, no, absolutely no corner has been turned. Mm-hmm. I think to imagine a corner has been turned, <laughs> after, even after a fantastic one-off performance, would be foolish. After what we saw last night, you'd need to be intellectually challenged I think to, <laughs> to imagine that that was um, as any corner turned I mean I I didn't without giving you, you know, history lessons and all that, I can go back a long time to mid 70s uh, watching the Arsenal and it, I've seen some dire sides um, I started earlier in the mid 70s but I've seen the mid 70s mid 80s mid 90s and some dire sides I've seen nothing as bad as I saw in the first half against Brighton until last night Mm. Um, and seriously that is relegation it is relegation form that's a relegation performance against last night a team in free fall along with us yeah Um, we are playing as badly as any side in the league and that includes West Ham and I don't think there's anybody else other than those who are playing that bad or worse it was shocking shocking. that first half was shocking now now, is, is, is this playing it cautiously in their own half and not driving forward is that a confidence issue or is it tactics yeah, they all look petrified i mean they all they all look so uncomfortable on the ball and every one of them they're just always turning back and playing back and there's a there's a there's a level pass or a forward pass on and they still turn around and play back and this pottering around leno and passing it back and they did it again at the end but surely like, that's a tactic well, I I, look, we're not. We've talked about this so many times. We're not good enough to be. Yeah, but why then doing are they still doing it? I have absolutely no idea. It's just obviously they haven't kind of. Re, Freddie's obviously not kind of rejigged that Emery tactic or whatever it was that we were doing there. Well, um, I mean, you, you, well, the, the simple alternative is surely a percentage long ball in yeah. which you compete the same yeah, ball. That's right. Yeah, But you know, this short game started in the last few years of Wenger. Yeah. It wasn't actually Emery who. Dreamt up the idea, you know. It was Wenger, Emery continued it, and okay, it's only two and a half games, but Freddie's continued it as well. Mm. Look at teams like Leicester. I mean, they don't do that. I think if if all we had to worry about was tactics, it'd be happy days. It goes far beyond tactics. It it boils down to quality. We have to be honest. I I was someone thought we haven't got a bad set of players. I'm drastically revising that opinion. 
I think we are short on quality. At the back, we, we're woeful. The quality is woeful. Goalkeeper's good, in my opinion. Um, but there's a complete lack of structure, of belief. You can have a, a talented side and a side that's quite well drilled tactically. If they don't believe, if there's no structure, if there's no game plan that they understand, you are in trouble. And that's where I think we're, there's no belief. Right, well, let's take a scenario, okay? They decide on who they want and they get them in quickly. Can the team and the players that a new coach has to work with now, can they be organised to become mean defensively or can it only be done with fresh personnel? I think things can be improved with the players we have, but... um, I think, as you said, Lino's a good keeper, very good keeper. Yes, I think so. Uh, I think both full-backs, if Bellerin can get fit, back to full fitness again, uh, he's an excellent right-back. Tierney is a good left-back. The weakness is in central defence, where I don't think anybody is top-level. Everybody goes on about Rob Holding. You know, he is... Arguably the best of the lot, but I wouldn't say he's at the very top level. He could easily be improved upon. Um, I think we're dependent on the lad from St Etienne arriving next season being outstanding. Uh, In addition to that, we need a top draw central defender signed from somewhere, however much it costs. Not, not, and I, I. I mean, I'm going to do a little bit of Socrates bashing now. Um, I just, I mean, I saw him the other day at the Frankfurt match and Tierney wanted to play up. Uh, He he wanted to, because the first couple of games Tierney played, he was running up the left wing and putting great crosses in. And he was was about to put in this very, sort of, he put in a pass that that, that was well-intended but didn't work. And then Socrates said, no, 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 play back. He was telling him to play back. Yeah. So I think players like Socrates, Shaka as well, there's a negative mentality there. It's not a let's have a go. They're, they're too scared and they don't have enough belief in their fearful. own ability to, to, to actually um, take risks and, and go forwards. And that, that's it. We've got too much fear on the ball at the moment. And that's something a really a good manager could instill some positivity. I mean, I wish we had Duncan Ferguson, actually. Someone like that. Someone who just bark in Scottish at them. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I think that uh, tactically, I've said just a short while ago, if it were only tactics, I do think, even with what we've got, that a tactically, God, we could mention Mourinho, a tactically astute manager would have to get an awful lot more out of this side. The problem, and I've thought this for years, and it goes back to, to Wenger days, uh, certainly the last 12 years, the last position you want to play at the Arsenal is centre-back because you're... Two full-backs are further, further advanced than the wingers. <laughs> Your centre-mids are camped on the 18-yard line of the opposition. And once, they, once that's turned over and they're breaking, you, are, you would see Koscielny typically trying desperately to cover the whole back line. Tearing around, he was fast, but trying to cover the full-backs. We haven't had great full-backs, but I can remember Vermeulen coming in. We thought, we got, what a guy we've got here yeah. the first season. We soon made him look very, oh, no. very abject. <laughs> um, and I, I think the centre-half position at Arsenal started under Wenger, certainly didn't get any better under Emery. Um, too early to judge, Freddie, but it's the last position you want, and I, don't, I think we could have Barese and Beckenbauer there, and we'd struggle. It's the, so there is a tactical element, of course, but the personnel isn't good. I mean, it comes no. to something where... No, but but it's got, it, also, it does come from, I mean, you know, management ultimately as well. If you have a manager with a very strong personality, whether you love them or loathe them, a, a George Graham, you know, Brian Clough or someone, I mean, you know, someone who imp- yeah. puts their imprint on. I mean, Graham took that Arsenal back four and did, did the whole, you know... All right, well, let's up. throw a curved ball in, all right? Not yeah. going to happen, but let's just imagine this scenario. To, to just salvage the season and bring some solidity back so that a new manager can take over and have something to build on. We bring in Fat Sam Allardyce with Fat Sam Allardyce tactics, which basically will see more of the ball in the opposition half 
You won't see all these sideways passing across your own area. No. Would you take it? <laughs> just for just for the rest of the season. Do you know what? Yeah, why not? I mean, it, it, I, it could, because uh, I can't bear to. I, I literally can't bear to watch Arsenal ponce about in our own half. <laughs> we didn't have one shot on target in the first half. We had three shots on target in ninety minutes. Everyone was a goal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, in the first half, there was one shot from a Bamiyang which hit row X or Z or Y. I'm not sure. Right at the end, he sort of hoofed it, and it was just. Um, and well, in that stadium, that would have had to gone a long way to hit. Row well, I mean, but, yeah, but we, we were so bad. Exactly, and we were. Yeah, it was row C probably. Yeah. But we were just we were so, you know so inept and in every single way, and we hardly got out of our own half. And then when we did, it was sort of, and it seems like we haven't got a midfield. Exactly. It's almost yeah, as exactly and right. we're so deep when we're playing out from a goal kick or something. We're like we're, we're actually like on our own touchline. I don't get it. I just don't know what 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 kind of tactic that is. Well, we're trying to lull them forward so that we can hit them on the break. But another thing is we're so slow walking out. We walk out of defence. Say there's a corner and the keeper gets it. There's sometimes five or six Arsenal players behind the goalkeeper, wandering slowly yeah. out. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, we all hark back to the days of Vieira, Petit, Henri, steaming up there like some... There was yeah. a little bit of that for the three goals yesterday. Yeah. You know, there was a little bit of steaming. Yeah. But even then, we were, we were sort of lucky to get away with it because there's not enough personnel pushing up. Yeah. The thing is, Sam Allardyce would keep us up. And I don't think we're guaranteed to stay up as things stand. Uh, I think Allardyce would also get rid of this mentality about 10, ten yards sideways balls all the time or yeah. backwards. Yeah. You know, he would urge the ball to be moved forward a lot quicker. Mm. Playing and to our strengths in theory, because our yeah. best players are the ones in attack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And... I think there would be two adva- two major advantages in giving Allardyce the job for the rest of the season. He would definitely keep us up and he would probably get rid of this mindset in the team about short balls, you know, 10 yards sideways and backwards. Mm. Uh, and I think... Those are the two main positives about Allardyce. The problem was yesterday when there were balls being played forward, more often than not they end up being passed directly to a West Ham player. Yes. And from Shaka, from Torreira, um, just really poor passing, schoolboy errors, well, left, right and centre. Actually, there's another point about Allardyce. He'd bring a bit of fight into the team yeah. as well. Yeah, a bit of a Churchill. We need yeah. a Churchill, yeah. don't we? Sort of... From my point of view, the fact that we're even sitting discussing the hypothetical <laughs> notion that we might go for we could go for Sam Allardyce says all that you need to know about the state of the club under Stan Kronk under yeah. Kronk's ownership we're, that we've reached this pitch where we could even have a, a serious discussion a sensible discussion um, apart from that I don't think it would work for, for one instant for the simple reason we haven't got a squad that would that would suit um, Sam Allardyce's way of playing you need to be aggressive combative, powerful and it's going to be long balls to a big rough centre forward which we haven't got uh, no one that's going to get his head in the ball or hold the ball up uh, so our lot would just absolutely collapse Well that just brings yes. us neatly on to the fact that, that one of the things I noticed yesterday and I see too often players like Torreira Shaka, Pepe a bit players going down after a little nudge or something and making a meal of it and, and I actually I'm, I'm, I sometimes in the stadium I shout at our own players, get up you tart. Sorry. You know, <laughs> what are Absolutely. you doing? You know, I, mean, I, I don't like shouting at our own players, but when you see um, Urza, I, mean, I, I don't get me started on Urzel. By the way, you may hear the rain is coming down. Symbolically. <laughs> symbolically on the roof <laughs> here at Highbury. We're across the road from Highbury Stadium. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's, they, we need to man up a bit. Um, I don't think it's in them. No, no, I don't. Pasty, I, I really yeah, don't. I no. think it's, it's, if it was ever in them, it's been drilled out of them by years under Wenger and, I mean, under, under Emery, it was just chaotic. Um, well, uh, it shows how cosseted they were that it's come out Ozil used to get weekends off. We exactly. just go into go into Arsenal's office and say, "Can I have the weekend off?" Absolutely, and he oh, said, "Yeah, it's awful." Fine. Oh, it's awful. I mean, I mean, we've got we've got a terrible attitude problem, as you've mentioned before, Kev. You know, multi-millionaires, 
who want the servants to go and polish their boots. I mean, that's what it looks like sometimes. And I, I mean, even sometimes, you know, I look at Obama Yang and I look at just all the players, really, even our best players, and there's this attitude of, oh, well, I'm just here for a bit of a laugh. You know, it feels like that. And when it, when it comes good, okay, I'll score a great goal, but I'm not really going to work too hard. And that, that's how it feels. We were talking before we started about players like Ray Parler, you know, Paul Merson, who bust a gut for the team, or maybe more Ray Parler than Paul Merson, but they'd bust a gut if they got something wrong, they'd go back and fix it, you know. And I see, I see yes, Guendouzi's a talented player, but you know, he'll lose the ball, the player will turn him, and he won't chase back. We'll chase back a bit half-heartedly and then give up, you know. You see the body language, the way the players are running, it's not convincing. I think that's a bit unfair on Gunduzi, actually. I think he's an outstanding young player. Um, and I think he's close to becoming, or he was before Freddie's rested him, uh, he was close to becoming the heartbeat of the team. Uh, I really do. Because... You know, he was on the ball so much. He puts more energy into his performance than any other player, easily. I'd agree with that. Um, and his work rate, you know, he's got good talent as well. I say he's talented, but he, I, I think, he, I he, think he's still he, too young he and does, naive. He's green behind the ears. Yes, I accept that. Yeah. Uh, he is inexperienced, but I believe, you know, with a few years' experience, he will be... Really, really outstanding. I think if you had someone like a Vieira next to him or something, yeah, sure. that would be good. You know, then yes. But if you've got Shaka next to you, you know, <laughs> uh, or, or Torreira for that matter, oh, he, he, yeah. I mean, he needs a kind of a father figure to kind of put, pull him along. Or yeah. players to look up to, like a Bergkamp. Or a, we haven't got anyone like that. There's no, there's no kind of, there's no man in the team at the moment to say, all oh, right, he's our leader. Or forget Tony Adams. I mean, God, what that's, we wouldn't get. That's the problem. We have destroyed over. A number of years now, for all the, the talk about Arsene Wenger nurturing young talent, I think he's, he destroyed more burgeoning careers than than than, than he helped. Um, we're seeing it now; players plunged in, not really ready, and as you say, no one to guide them and lead them. There is a distinct lack of leadership at the club, and that's from top to bottom. Yeah. Um, it, it's, in, it's it's chaotic. It's in free fall. Comes from the owner. Uh, a disinterested and absent owner, and it's it's just it, it's what we see on the pitch is a representation, in my opinion, of, of the whole club. Mm. Right. Yeah. Well, we, I, are, I, we are in trouble. I'm going to bring in now some uh, listener contributions, and we've got two on the ownership theme, so we'll move on to this. Um, I will start with um, one from Bailey or at DB Zero Pink on Twitter. It's becoming apparently clear that KSE are our equivalent of Hicks and Gillette at Anfield. Realistically, can us fans put enough pressure on KSE to force them out of the club? Looking at their history, they seem to be quite content to just sit and hold despite external pressures. Um, now, I think Neil is the first person I'm going to ask for a response on this because uh, you are one of the collective that go under the We Care Do You name and you know there's no issue that their focus is the owners um, do you think it's possible to force these guys out? That's a big question, I think it's very possible to make life very very uncomfortable for them um, very possible to make it far less rewarding than it could be for them and that's what I think is what it's all about for them um, there's, just to give you a, a very quick background on, on We Care To You there is, is a collective um, that involves um, fan groups bloggers, vloggers and some ordinary fans and there is a, a, a diversity of opinion not everybody thinks the same way and I guess nor should they but I think to a man Clearly, we all want the best for the football club, and I would say to a man and a woman and women um, that nobody thinks that KSE, Stan Kronk, Josh Kronk are ultimately any good for Arsenal Football Club. Um, in my opinion, we can only do 
We're up, it's not Gillette and Hicks, they had no money. That's a very different situation. They could not afford to run the club. Um, we're up against a billionaire who doesn't have to sell. Multi-billionaire. Um, a multi-billionaire who doesn't have to sell. That said, um, we can make life as a unrewarding and financially unrewarding, and we can make it very uncomfortable. No business at all likes bad press. No business at all likes sponsors that are walking away, likes empty seats, likes an angry crowd. Um, we have to go down, bluntly I'll say, uh, a, a route of guerrilla tactics. We have to make it uncomfortable. We have to demonstrate. We have to be um, verbally explicit inside the stadium, which we never did when things were going wrong under Arsene Wenger. I think we should have, but we didn't. But that has to be, it has to be heard on, on the TV, it has to be heard on the radio, it has to be reported in the newspapers, uh, and we have to get less bums on seats. We have to affect sponsors, as I said. We were singing Cronky out, though, when Wenger was... Well, they were. That's when, that's when they extended his contract. And I made that point at the time. I think Kev will remember that, that they would never sing anti-Wenger songs, but unorchestrated and, 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 and unprompted spontaneously they sang we want Cronkite or Stanley Cronkite out of our club and we should have jumped on that then but that feeling will grow um, in my opinion the problem we have at Arsenal is we have a very supine passive support we need to fire that up we need to fuel it the performances will do that and it will certainly drive people from attending the, uh, the ground um, I don't want to go on too long as other guys here, but what's very, very evident is we are part of a franchise. We're an investment vehicle. Yeah. Now, he's building a stadium for the Rams that reportedly is going to cost upwards of $5 billion. Um, now, he's now got sole ownership of the club. How do we know, and we'll never know, that's the problem, that he isn't leveraging the debt with Arsenal Football Club? We don't know that. We won't know that. There's no accountability we've got, we've got no way of seeing those accounts we don't know what he's doing um, there's clearly no ambition as football fans we're desperate for glory we'll be desperate for something to, to cheer what they've done is managed our expectations down over 10 or 12 years um, to the point where we don't even expect to get top four anymore we're talking about avoiding relegation Mm. That's what it's come to in a very short space of time. I think what we've got is something that's very symptomatic of the world today. I, I don't know if anyone here has seen Succession, the um, television programme that's recently. No. Watch it, because it's, this, it's the Cronky story, right? right. And it's, it's on Amazon Prime. It's, it's one of those you have to buy. But do you know what? It is phenomenal. It's a phenomenal watch. And it's about this company called Waystar that basically buys everything up, takes off. It's just, it's this, it's this. It's a family that are just sort of ruining stuff. They'll just fucking, they'll just like close down a football club. They, they actually go to, they're an American family and they go to- uh, Spoiler alert. They go to Scotland <laughs> and buy, they go to Scotland and, and buy a football club for on, on a kind of a whim on the side, you know. I think it's hearts actually, they buy hearts, right? And uh, it, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, this feels like that. It feels like we're like a victim of the, a little pawn in someone's great big empire. That's exactly what we and are. And he doesn't even give a shit, actually. Um, yeah, that's right. Um, I think what the fans will end up doing is stop attending games. And, OK, people have bought their season tickets, so it won't make much financial difference. But if people uh, stopped renewing their season tickets... Uh, that would begin to make a difference on Cronky. The trouble with Cronky is, you know, I think he stated when he um, first bought uh, the club, was that he's not that bothered about winning trophies. You, you don't know? buy a football club to win trophies. No, no yeah, quite, that's right. Yeah, Which that's is what awful, he said, wasn't it? Awful comment. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, we should have, well, we all knew what was going to happen once he'd yeah. said that. Yeah. Um, we're, we're an investment firm. His priority are the LA Rams. Yeah. You know, Arsenal, oh, it's nice having a, you know, this hobby. English club. Yeah. yeah, you know. A bit on the side. Something yeah. for 
Josh to do go and watch them at weekends and uh, so that, you know, like this series that his yeah. sons go and he sort of says oh go and have that over there and go and they fly around in helicopters billionaire yeah, world you can't right, even imagine okay. it it's like a completely different world I, I, I will give you a ray of light on the the idea that people will continue buying uh, the season tickets uh, that is partially true in the normal seats the lower and upper tiers but what's interesting now is the club are really struggling with the middle tier mm. so you will have noticed in the Eintracht Frankfurt game they flogged it to them didn't they the number of seats that the club sell on a match by match hospitality basis these are not seats they've managed they would prefer to have season ticket holders in there having paid for the season up front. Mm. However, they... I mean, I've got an ordinary season ticket and I got a call in early October asking if I wanted platinum a membership for next season. I said, I've got, I've got a season ticket. Why do I want to pay over twice as much, you know? Yeah. But they're just trying everybody. Yeah. And then you also look at the corporate boxes in the same ring <laughs> they are struggling with those mm. so it's less people but the actual financial knock on of that is very significant was that our lowest attendance since the I think that? it oh, was, was the lowest Emirates attendance do we know what it well, was well I would I would say I would guesstimate 18,000 well th this is another bizarre thing since we moved stadium this Lying about attendance. Well, that is for the Frankfurt game. Did they, did they actually announce the attendance? They don't. They, uh, but policy, they stopped. They stopped doing because it. Because it became a cue for an anti-Cronky chant well, at the Arsenal-Villa game about five or six years ago. Yeah. And so they then stopped. Well, it's complete 1984 Big Brother lying, isn't yeah. it? It's, exactly. There are 56,000 people here and you're looking around. And I mean, There was one guy who was very funny the, uh, a, few, a couple of seasons ago when they, they announced... The yeah. uh, attendance, it was so obviously not the attendance, and he just shouted out, and tractor production's up 40%. You know, it was sort of like, you know, <laughs> yeah. sort of like in 1984, Big Brother, Soviet propaganda. I mean, what made yeah. the Frankfurt attendance even worse was the, the Frankfurt fans were banned. You know, because yes, normally, right. uh, you know, German clubs bring over huge support. Yeah. You know, Ben, you need... Well, you, let's, sure. let's look at it this you way, know, Bernard. They might have had 5,000 tickets. In <laughs> yeah. reality, they probably had about 1,500 in that stadium. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah that's right. The they East, so you're taking three you know, and a half off. Without being banned, they'd have been a lot, lot, lot... Yeah, but look at the home crowd. Yeah. That, yeah. Well, that was kind of... Yeah. That was the real indication that yes. things weren't going well and yeah. Emery was dismissed the following day yes yeah. um, Kev one, one look at the worrying thing one look at and we knew this we've known this since Cronk was involved one look at his other it's a horrible word and it's sport franchises yep. shows you that he doesn't really care about sporting success at best they're mediocre at worst they're pretty dire and we're fast becoming of that ilk now You'll hear me bang on a bit here, but just please give me just a second. As fans, I've said we want glory. It's not just about glory. We're passionate. And what we want is the ownership, the executive, the management of the club to reciprocate and reflect that passion. If we think that the club, the management and the players are doing everything they can yeah. to generate success, most fans at most football clubs, including us, are happy about that. Yes, we want to win things. I don't think Arsenal fans... We've had lots of lean times that have ever had a sense of entitlement. We don't expect to win anything. We, we expect the club to do its best to compete yeah. and achieve as much as it possibly can. Um, I was thinking about this. Supporting a football club is a very abstract notion. Um, it's passion. It's commitment. People spend time and money that they, they can ill afford on the club, and particularly these days, it damages relationships, and that's a fact, it does. Um, the lows generally comfortably outweigh the highs. Uh, might as well be on heroin, might you, what I'm listening well, yeah, here. spending money is something that's going to make you feel shit exactly. half the time. So it's, but irrationally, <laughs> we carry on. And I was thinking about that, and we do that because it's something very visceral. You don't generally, well, lots of us don't, I didn't choose my football club, okay, that was a family thing, but even if you do, 
it's a part of who you are. It's, it's part of your very being and your identity and very often the family's identity and, and the community's identity. And there is not one fan, I think, that actually thinks there's a shred of that identity, those values, those attitudes in KSC. Not yeah. one person thinks that. Yeah. And so there's a huge disconnect. And fans are not stupid. And they realise there's a disconnect. We haven't got normal owners. We haven't got, I mean... I'm not, none of us are particularly big fans of, of, of super rich guys or countries with Arab, Arab states owning football clubs. But if you're going to have one, at least have an Abramovich or at least have an Arab nation. Don't you have Stan Kronk? Um, yeah, at least, they're, at least they're passionate about At least they're the passionate game. about yeah, trying they want, to they win got, They want to turn yeah. up and see the team win. Yeah. There's a complete yeah. disconnect. The supporters see it. There's a lot of identity, a lot of culture, a lot of values. We all feel that. And what really, really worries me, and this worries most people, I think all of us, in the We Care to You movement, is, and, and I don't say this lightly, and this has been going on for a few years, but that the soul of the club is actually dying. And that doesn't happen overnight. But what happens, as in any, forgive me getting verbose, but in any kind of relationship or company, but certainly personal relationships, you'll go for a period where you know something's dying, but it will reach a tipping point, a point beyond which there is no return. And that's the worry. I think we may be at that point. Is there... I mean, you've probably got more idea about this than me, but what would make Stan Kronk sell Arsenal? Is there anything... I don't think we could pinpoint one thing, but... Enough money? You know, he's never... Yeah. Uh, Someone someone made him an offer he could not refuse. Can you imagine if he sees... You you said, Bernard... um, about the size of the crowd and um, that probably per se the amount of money he's losing might not affect him too much they'll tell you now I don't know how true it is that bums on seats is not that important to the to the funds of a football club I'm sure it, it very much helps but anyway um, but what is bad for business is the way that looks it gets reported in the media and yes, the big yeah. thing is sponsors will walk away yeah. we've already we're, we're flirting very much with, with second tier sponsors now yeah. And that's not good for business. And once he sees the value of his investment um, going backwards and we're putting pressure on and it's a toxic atmosphere, and that's what we need. We need guerrilla tactics, a toxic atmosphere, an anti-cronk sentiment universally. Mm. Someone walks in with an offer, who knows? Um, Another thing is quite easily, what with social media now, if you get hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people all going cronky out, cronky out all day, all like, and just smash it. Exactly. Um, He might just think, oh shit, do I I want this in my back garden? Exactly. You know, um, no, no business owner wants that. No one wants it. Toxicity. No one wants it. Start it now then. Cronky out. Well, hashtag. It's already there. Trust me, it's happening. We care to you. You know, it started off very nicely. A very, a, a very polite statement in the summer. A polite statement recently, but more direct. But I, there are some of us, not all of us, that, that want it to become. Well, it's uh, it's interesting militant. to see that there was, uh, and still is. I drove past it on the way here. Some uh, large painted graffiti uh, near Drayton Park Station, which read "Cronky out" in large letters, and. Uh, if you stand across the road, you have the Emirates in the background. It's all in the same field of vision. Yeah, yeah. Very neatly um, written, wasn't it? Did you know? It was the author or creator has been called North Banksy by some right. Right. on yeah, yeah. Twitter. Um, but anyway, it's being hailed as a hero, uh, indeed. Um, so anyway, I've got to uh, cover the listeners' questions, even though I think this one has sort of been covered. But it's from Simon Rose, uh, a regular contributor and occasional panelist. How does the panel read Josh Cronkey's increasing presence at matches and apparent day-to-day involvement with the running of the club? Meaningful and genuine or empty PR? What's Josh doing over here? Did you come over? (laughs) (laughs) Having fun, yeah. Uh, yeah, Again, this is this succession thing. Some of the listeners will have seen this thing because it's it's, it's like the new Breaking Bad, this thing, right? Um, And... He is like one of the sons of the person in this, and he's—it's just something for them to do with their time. Okay, that's it. It's something for them. He's got what? billions and billions and billions of pounds. It's like, mm, what do I do? I'm, I'm oh, going to—I'm going to play devil's advocate here now. 
Um, not that I truly represent this, but I'm going to put it to you, Neil, uh, because we came to you have issued two statements. In response to both of them, Josh Cronkey has given interviews, but also there has been some action in response to the statement. So, for example, in the summer, the club suddenly got busy in the transfer window. They did. After the statement came out. And the more recent statement, the club dismissed the head coach. So, I'm playing devil's advocate. You could argue Josh is listening and he's responding with action. Is that a positive? If, if it's a result of what we've done, yes, it's a positive. Uh, in the summer, you remember, we were very careful not to make any comments about spending money because that's almost a cheap shot. We haven't ever been big at spending money in recent years, but particularly, but um, we did want to go down that line. There's an awful lot more wrong. Um, I think it shook them. I think the fact that all the fan groups, the big groups got behind it, I think they had to be seen to be doing something. We'll never really know whether that, that did prompt that. Um, Emery, you'll notice, and this is actually quite key, I should get this in, it's never been about Unai Emery. And nor was that last statement. Yes, on, on field performance, ultimately, is what it's all about. Did I personally think it was time he was gone? Yes, I did. Um, but the statement was but, a reaction to the form. But it, it, well, yes, ultimately... It probably was. Um, had we been sitting in third place playing well, I guess that statement wouldn't have gone out. But it wasn't targeting Emery, it was target. I don't. I think most of us, again, I think all of us on We Care To You, whether we thought he was the right man for the job or not, many of us are of the opinion that it doesn't matter who goes in there, that he was a stooge, and they'll appoint another stooge, and... All of them, we could get rid of some are quite happy want to attack the executive. We could go after Vinay, Edu, Raul, go after them all, and the incumbent team manager. That won't change a thing. There'll just be another Vinay, another Edu, another Raul, another Freddie or, or Emery to replace that person. The problem sits at the top of the club. That's the, it's chaotic, it's dysfunctional, and those guys are just pawns in stands going. And that's, I think, the way we see it. So I can't tell you that those statements, obviously I, I can't categorically tell you that they did or that they did or didn't affect anything. I think they probably did have an impact. I agree with you about Stan Kroenke. I think he is the biggest problem facing the club. I also think that should impact on the on Danny Fitzman's reputation. I don't like speaking ill of the dead, but, you know, Cronky owns the club uh, because Danny Fitzman sold up to him. Didn't Lady like, Bracewell-Smith as well. So did Nina, yes, yes, yeah, yes, Nina Bracewell-Smith, yeah. Yep. But Danny Fitzman was the man that drove it. You know, I feel sorry, you know, he died too young and all the rest of it. Uh, but... You know, I feel sorry for him and his family in that respect. He didn't leave the club in a good way. He, no. didn't, he did not leave the club in a good way. No, absolutely and, not. And, you know, there's one of the bridges over Drayton Park named after him. Mm. You know, my own personal opinion is he doesn't deserve that. Well, I, there was, I was going to bring that up, that, you know, uh, younger listeners will probably not remember the time when we, you know, the board at Highbury was this kind of respected old school... Uh, you know, yeah. Etonians and God knows what. Yeah. Um, the Hillwoods. The Hillwoods uh, and Ken Fryer and, and, and David Dean. And, and there, there were names on that board The Car cared about the club. They were arsehole. That was their sole purpose. Ken is still there, of course. Uh, Ken is still there, but I mean, you know, it's a bit like saying um, <laughs> Prince Philip's still, still there. He's, <laughs> he's sort of there. He we wouldn't get, let him drive a car, though, would you? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> at least it's not Prince Andrew still there. Well, no, <laughs> dear, that's enough. But, um, so, but I mean, the thing is, the genie's out of the bottle. You know, can we put it back in? Is there a way to return to that? Old school board. Um, well, well, what is the what is the function of a board when the club is owned privately and it has an executive team reporting directly to, to the owners? So that, yeah. well, it, it, they're figureheads. Exactly, that's the thing. But so. there is a function for it if it's used properly by stuffing it with expertise. 
However, that's not going to happen. I think Abramovich has done that. He did that. Right. I think yeah. he did that quite well. Certainly in the early days, he did that very well. Yes. Has Mike Francis still got his share? No one's got a share. No. no. He's no. bought out. He's bought out. Oh, Everybody yeah, is compulsory. Is all bought out. There is a shareholder amongst us. You can't, you can't not. Once yeah. he gets a, a certain percentage, you have to sell. Yeah. All, all you can that's do so is not take the money. On principle, right. right. So if you can afford thirty-five grand, good luck to you. Well, that's a bit like sort of the Alliance of Leicester (laughs) turning from a building society into a bank, and they give you a couple of grand. Do you want it or not? You know, it's uh, yeah, it's happening anyway. Yeah, 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 I used to be a shareholder. Went to every AGM for decades. Yeah. Um, So the only way to do it. Is to get the Saudi prince with more squillion zillions than, than yeah, Cronky yeah. or whoever it is to say, I buy you out now, here you go, offer you can't refuse. Yeah. So, what we've got to do is start chatting up multi balti billionaires. Anyone yeah. know any? There is an alternative <laughs> way, which is to basically have a political party say, We're going down the model of what they do in Germany, whereby no one is allowed to own more than 49% of a football club. And they make that law, right. so basically they have to effectively put shares on the market. Um, that will never happen here. Uh, very unlikely. Yeah. I am going to just, because we did mention the executive team, I'm going to bring in a listener question. Jonathan Hausman, regular uh, contributor to the podcast. Raoul should have been sacked by now for leaving Emery in the job too long and having no plan as to the identity and playing style of the new manager. Do you think he'll be sacked if he gets the next hire wrong? And will it wake Josh up to get someone competent advising him? So basically that's a downer on Raoul Sanlay, who we are led to believe was the one who argued initially for Emery to get the job and certainly argued for him to be retained after the end of last season. Um, I mean... I'm going to put this in the mix as well because we're talking about the executive team. Edu's agent is Kia Jorapchian, who is also a gooner, and also David Luiz's agent. Is that a healthy situation? And are we now going down a path whereby the people who are making decisions in the club are the ones buying players and they're going to buy players through a certain channel limiting our options or is that me being a bit paranoid? Well, I would like to think you're wrong but you do hear rumours about um, San Lehi, you know, favouring people um, using the same agent. Mm. Uh, so, smoke without fire... You know, I don't know. Um, I think it is a very real danger, though. Do we think Sunley is a competent person to run the football club? I can't. I have yet to see anything that makes me think he is. Yeah, it's, not, it's certainly not reflecting in performance. Yeah. And, and no. what we see is not the sign of someone running a football club. Well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, the club is badly run. At yeah. Chaotic. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So you've got to look at not the, the owner and the executive team below uh, the owner as well. Well, so someone actually on the footballing level, I think it was Gary Neville, as a pundit, said, you know, we're not getting the basics right on the pitch. Mm. It's obviously we're not getting the basics right in the world of business and, and, and running the club either, yeah. management. So uh, we need to we need to kind of get back to kind of start again and make a new pizza with a new yeah. pizza base because this isn't working. Yeah. Um, and that you know, but the only way that's going to happen really, I think, is if the you know what the Cronkies have to go. Yeah. Because again, you know, it all it all roads lead to Rome uh, to Caesar at the so, end. Um, and while Caesar's running, so while Caligula's running Rome, there's yeah. just a load of bloody orgies going on. Aren't I mean. So <laughs> you know. well, I'm not paid to see that rather than some of our football well I'll tell you what that would be a problem. maybe we should get Caligula back from the dead he'd yeah. probably do a better job but the thing is uh, with Cronky yeah, when the new sponsorship deals come up you know it's fee- it's perfectly feasible that Arsenal will be getting a lot or he will be getting much less 
uh, less big offers, then he would have done... Well, we've already been overtaken financially by Liverpool and Tottenham. And, you know, you've got to wonder if the gap between Arsenal and the teams below them, the teams outside the top six, Mm. will actually begin to narrow. Yeah, I think it will. And then, and then our hope is that we manage to do a Leicester City and get more than the sum of the parts. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to look at things that might make Stan Kronk sell up. And, you know, getting all this money from sponsorship deals, uh, you know, gate receipts for what that stands for, uh, merchandise revenue and all the rest of it... Getting less money, I would like to think, might think, hmm, you know, I might actually sell Arsenal Football Club, uh, you know, get the money in for that and move on to something something else. else. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, look, the fact is these people can do things on a whim, pretty much. And if he's uncomfortable and he feels like I'd rather be in the Bahamas doing whatever's in the Bahamas, then he'll do that or he'll move into... So maybe the the thing for us to do, yes, as you say, make it as uncomfortable as possible. Be losers. Hang on, hang on. No no American likes a loser, right? I'm going to interject here, okay? One of the reasons Cronky got involved in Arsenal was broadcast rights. Yes. Now, broadcast rights for the Premier League are sold collectively. So effectively, you could finish in 17th place every season, but you'd have a guaranteed income. What's gone wrong for Kroenke is the wage bill at Arsenal. Because I think he'd be perfectly happy now were the club in profit and finishing 17th. Yes, yeah. So the problem is, as long as we're in the Premier League... So therefore, maybe relegation might not be such a bad thing. <laughs> could be. Could be the answer. <laughs> the that, 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 would be, that would be cutting you know, off our foot off to you know, spite our face, wouldn't it? But the what we could do... Arsenal 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 what, Arsenal what, Arsenal 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 we could have something like um, organised, I don't know, racism or uh, abuse or some nonsense which will get us deducted points yeah. to make sure we go down. Well, I agree. <laughs> well, again, again, I don't want to go down under any no, circumstances no, 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 because no. there's a small thing called Tottenham Hotspurs, which I do not want to look at those people in the face. We can't go down. Yeah. Chelsea fans. We're, we're football fans, right? I can live with that. Yeah. As I said, okay, I'll, I'll ask you this. You can't do that. If relegation guaranteed that Stan Kroenke would sell the next week. I'd wait for him to sell for another reason I'd, I would not want Arsenal Football Club relegated in my life no I couldn't sanction that either it's a, over my dead that. body situation mm. a hundred years in the top flight that proud no, record the proud heritage record. the history the only team I, I couldn't do it no. right well let's look at the finances because the club uh, have reported losses there must be another way are about to report losses uh, for last season um, <laughs> and what what the figures revealed was basically that profit is generally made from transfers. That's how the club make profit these days. Um, now we've got... Um, well, all clubs here or us? Arsenal. Arsenal. Right. Um, we've got a question from Mike uh, on Twitter or at MPH345. Uh, given, given the current state of finances and that both strikers have not signed new contracts, should we cash in on one in January? Um, would I you sell either Lacazette or Aubameyang? Eighteen months to. left. Yeah, that that's team. right. I mean, Aubameyang's thirty now anyway. Um, he's called off, uh, tr- you know, negotiations about signing a new contract. Uh, I, he, you know, he's an outstanding goal scorer, um, but I would be comfortable if they sold him, if not in January next summer. Mm-hmm. to get some money for him. Uh, so at least, hopefully, that money can be reinvested. Mm. You know, I, okay. I would go with it. But no. unfortunately, once again, this is what we've come to. Yeah. This is how bad... But hang on a minute. Yes. Haven't Arsenal long, for a long time well, of course, been this is a not, selling well, club? This is for the last decade or more. This is well, not, arguably, much longer than that. Uh, I wouldn't have said... Would you really say... Uh, 
I don't really think so, but um, for the certainly the last since the stadium years, move, yes, yeah, since the stadium move, yes. Okay. But I think what a reflection when oh Nicholas and Elka. Well, that you we were going to keep him, were you? He was just that. That's that's the kind of player that was had made his mind up. His brothers and he was off regardless. Yeah, right. okay. But in terms of the club deciding, I mean, they wanted to keep him, but but with these two, you are we, we're talking about flirting with relegation. They're the only two guys that score goals. Okay, well, Martinelli is coming through, but you get rid of one of those two guys, and I would at the end of the season, I'd happily. Get, um, uh, let go of a Bamiyang and Urzul. I know there's. I know the wage structure. I'm not <laughs> That's not going to happen. I'm just saying. But if, if if you could in Dreamland, right, get rid of uh, get or let go of a Bamiyang and Urzul and replace them with. I'd, I'd take. I'd let go of two players like that and have one Jamie Vardy because I think he's worth four of them. To be honest with you, <laughs> just for just for the honest endeavour. That he fucking he gets in there. He's like a little Ian Wright or something. I mean, he gets in. He's like nasty little player, you know what I mean? You're right, Basti, the problem is, so that's a reflection on where we are that we even have to think about it. If we did it, and I think we probably will, because I don't think he's going to sign, but no. either of them will sign, the problem is, we won't replace, replace him with a quality player. Or, mm. I have no faith that we will. Um, it's the, the downward spiral, this ever-descending... It's, it's bad news, this is... It this doesn't have to be, though. See, the thing is, I still, I, still, I still think no, I mean, if you have the right man... The problem is the structure now, that you've got a trainer and then you've got the person who goes out and buys them. It's different from the days where the manager, you know, someone like George Graham, maybe, OK, David Dean did all the work anyway, but, but ultimately a manager might have said before, right, I really... Can we... This is the player we want, and they'd have gone off and got him. Yep. And now it's more like, well, this is what you've got to play with in your training room. So really, you don't have. It. And you, people were saying earlier, you know, Arsene Wenger was a was a, 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 a autocratic dictator or whatever. But if you get the right sort of person, in a way, a sort of benign dictatorship with an intelligent and passionate manager, who would say, right, I want that player, I want that player. This is what I want. We're going to sell those to God. You know, the Brian Clough days. You know, that that whole well, kind of mentality. Well, here's the thing. All right, won't ever get a decent coach. It's been reported they won't allow that. That Emery wanted last summer to buy Harry Maguire, Wilfried Sahar, and Atletico Madrid's Thomas Partey. So this was basically a winger, a centre back, and a central midfield player. Maguire was blown out of the water because of Arsenal's failure to qualify for Champions League, means just couldn't afford to enter the race. Zahar, the club preferred Pepe because he was younger, although similar amount of money mm. um, and part, Thomas Partey's buyout clause was 50 million euro too much so uh, Emery had his choices but ultimately he wasn't the one who was making the decisions on the budget unlike it used to be when Arsenal was in on the show and that won't change on, on the croc no. so that's it so basically any head coach coming in is going to be undermined by the structure of the club in terms of the players he would like well unless the thing is yeah. Emery I mean, wasn't a very strong personality uh, and, and, and you know all due respect to him he was a nice guy I'm, I'm sure but his, his ability to communicate with the club and motivate the players uh, well hang that, on a minute Sanle was Spanish yeah. the conversation would have been between Emery and Sanle yeah, I'm, I'm, but I'm saying the way Emery talked to the players at half-time. The way I'm talking that... about decisions on which players the club went after. Yes. They weren't being made by Emery. He wasn't controlling the budget. No, no. 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 So okay. what's going to happen and now? And that's not going to change when the, change. the new manager no. comes what's in. What's going to happen now? When you, we ended up with Emery when we're talking about the likes of, of Ancelotti. Thomas, I haven't much about Thomas Tuchnese, but he, people are uh, allegory throwing these big names out. We end up with, yes, he'd been at PSG, but to all intents and purposes, I, I, I was slightly underwhelmed, or more than slightly, and that was proven to be right. We are going to be now, again, in, in the, the running for a second-tier second level manager. Um, the, the, those guys, like the Allegri's, I know the Klopp's already here, but Pep, they will not come and be told what to do in that way. No. We'll only get a guy that's happy to have the job because it's the Arsenal, and that's going to be a second. Uh, well, a second the tier uh, manager. Valencia manager was in London. Exactly. Today. I mean, uh, uh, Marseille. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, the team we, we put seven by them. Like, we put seven by them yeah. last year, didn't we? At, mm. um, 
Mm. And that's where we're going to end up. Because that's all the only person that will take the we job. We were there, Kev. We were there. We were in Valencia. Um, good, good night, that was. Yeah. Um, okay, so... I think to uh, conclude, I'm going to ask for a points prediction for those next five matches. I've said two points. We're talking about home games against Man City, Chelsea, Man United, visits to Everton and Bournemouth. And I'm asking you to name how many points you think we're going to take from those five games. Three. Okay. Two is like you. Right. I'm going to be optimistic and go for four. Right. Okay. I think we might we might get one win. Three draws I've gone for. Okay. One one draw, one win, and the rest. Fair enough. Okay. That's being optimistic. Right. Well, I mean, all I can say is God knows what this podcast would have been like if we'd lost last night. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're not going to talk about Freddie at all. Let's do two minutes on Freddie. I mean, what is there to say about Freddie? We love you, Freddie. <laughs> okay, He's got right. a great song. Right. So that's a start. And, and also, I've met Freddie. I, I bought Freddie a cappuccino once, which I've shared. I think, I think the goodwill towards Freddie is undisputed. And I don't think he's going to come out of this badly, whatever happens. No. Simply because people know the situation he's in. Exactly, yeah. This is not of his own making. No, exactly. Uh, the real question for me is how long do they leave him there? Yeah. And I think... Getting two points from the next five games might make that decision. Well, apparently yes. he told them at half-time yesterday to play with bravery and freely. According to Leno, Leno came out and said that he, he said, said, just go out and play, play, play freely and bravely. Those were the two words he used. It seemed to work. Um, for 15 minutes at least <laughs> yeah. uh, we got three goals and got the three points which we weren't really expecting before the game yeah. let's be honest um, I mean what has disappointed me about Freddie so far is that it's called the new manager bounce immediate improvement when somebody comes in yeah. most obvious example was Ferguson at Everton uh, it happened with Solskjaer at Manchester United it's happened at, with Marino at Tottenham it hasn't happened with Freddie. And with Lampard at Chelsea, didn't it? Yes, Lampard Yeah, but Chelsea. to be fair with Freddie, well, you say it hasn't happened. I mean, we won yesterday away. Yeah. Uh, uh, and to be fair to Freddie, he's just, he's, he's, he's not really a manager as such. I mean, he's not, um, he's, he's kind of just been thrown in there. And normally these bounces are as much uh, relief of losing the manager you've been dying to get rid of for ages as anything else. Yeah. I don't think the players disliked Emery. And, uh, the problem is, I don't think also, our problem is the character of our players. I don't think we have very strong characters in that team at the moment. I mean, you look at our supposedly best, most expensive player, superstar, is Meza Ozil. I mean, if that's the high bar of, of you know, uh, enthusiasm in, and, and fighting and, and, and passion for the game... But it isn't though. I mean, Ozil's not a good example because he's looking forward to, you know, retirement. And basically, you know, he's sitting out the last eighteen months of his contract on three hundred and fifty grand a week, mm. thinking, oh, "Well, you know, this is great. You know, I don't have to do any work, and you know, I'm picking up." Both yeah, but that's the, that's exactly my point. Is that what kind week. of player? What kind of man who plays for a football club? has that attitude. You yeah. go onto a football pitch, you've got 90 minutes, what are you going to do with it? I think you know, you're going to have a fucking go is what you're going to do. And if you don't, you shouldn't be on that football pitch. In terms of Freddie, in my opinion, um, obviously far too early to, to make any sound judgement. And as you say, Kev, just throwing in at the deep end really to, to do what he can while they're either looking or not looking for somebody else. The one thing I would say is that I had serious doubts about Unai Emery a year ago when he consistently picked Granite Xhaka as his go-to centre mid. He would rotate the others and never rotate him. He is unquestionably the worst central midfield player I think I've ever seen at the club. Um, So I couldn't get it with Wenger. I then couldn't get it with Emery. And straight away, despite the problem with the fans that Xhaka had, which I I judge him more on his football ability than, than, than I do on that actually, but... For Freddie to stick him straight back in mm. tells me what I need to know about Freddie's judgment, I'm afraid. 
So I judge what, 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 what other options do we have there? That the problem is we don't really have a lot of personnel. Well, hang on, hang on. You could play Chambers or Louise in holding midfield. You've got Torreira and Guendouzi. Maitland-Niles could play Louise there. Louise is injured, yeah. isn't he? Maitland-Niles is a centre. Who, who's injured? Is Louise injured? No. Oh, he's not. He's oh, on no. the bench. Oh, right, he's uh, on the bench. Maitland-Niles, so that's five. So basically, you've got alternatives there. I'd, I'd, I'd pull somebody out of the ladies' team and put them in in front of you. <laughs> well, that's right, you're right there. But I don't think... That, the problem is the alternatives aren't necessarily all that much better either. I mean, we haven't... Well, I'm saying we haven't got the personnel. Well, there's no... Look, and none, of them are, none of them would have the words world-class put Neil is making they? a point about Jacka, and you said there weren't alternatives. There but are. not world-class ones. No, right? There are still not alternatives. I think you're mm. being a bit unfair in calling him the worst midfielder. I can't yeah. think of a worse one. I, he's, up there with, he's up there with Hillier and Morrow for me. But well, I, I, I no, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. I will say this for Hillier. All right, he could do defensive midfield. Exactly. Yeah. This guy can do yeah. nothing. Frankly, we could use a David exactly. Hillier right now. This guy can do nothing. He, 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 he can't even make a nuisance of himself. He can't. He can't even be a Rob, Robbie oh. Savage and, 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 and kick people. Eddie McGoldrick. Eddie McGoldrick. He's a white player. Right, I'm going to wrap this up now. Uh, so it is Guna plug time, and the third issue of the season remains on sale for Sunday's home match versus Manchester City. And for the visit of Chelsea after Christmas, there will be a new edition featuring the 2020 Guna calendar, as well as the launch of our annual campaign to garner enough subscribers to continue for another season. As well as being sold on match days outside of a stadium, you can order the Guna through our store page on our website, where you can also subscribe to receive all the remaining issues this season. As ever, a reminder that you can contact us regarding anything to do with the podcast via Twitter at Guna Podcast and email gunapodcast at gmail.com. Many thanks for the questions and topics submitted by listeners today. And with that, it is goodbye from Bernard. Goodbye, everyone. Neil. Goodbye. And Mustafa. Good evening. Uh, we hope you enjoy the festive break, and we will be back in January with another monthly edition. And for those that cannot wait, you can follow the more regular offerings hosted by Leith Yusuf on our YouTube channel, Guna Fanzine TV. And this is your host, Kevin Witcher, saying goodbye and thank you for listening. La di da di da, la di da di dee. All good friends and jolly good company. Well, hey!